Hello and welcome to the Fit Leaders Podcast, the podcast for leaders seeking sustainable success. I'm your host, David Chinsky, founder of the Institute for Leadership Fitness and creator of Fit Leaders Academy. Join me as we explore how fit leaders enjoy vibrant lives marked by personal health and sustained contributions. In this podcast, The 90-Day Runway, I'd like to talk about a different way of thinking about planning for accomplishing those goals that contribute to our ongoing success as leaders. Often organizations adopt a 12-month or annual perspective when thinking about what they want to accomplish in the future. And while annual goals will continue to play a very important role in thinking out into the future, I have found that employing what I call the 90-day runway helps ensure that those annual goals actually get addressed and implemented. One of the drawbacks of the 12-month approach to setting goals is that we often procrastinate as we implement those goals. Let's say that we're on a calendar year planning system and we set goals for the following year, January through December. Many of those goals actually are written with the intent that they are to be accomplished by, let's say, the end of the year or perhaps the end of the first half of that year, maybe even the first quarter. And so what happens to many of us is that we look at those goals, we assess when we have to get them done, what's the deadline, and if the deadline isn't until the end of the year, sometimes we will just say, look, I have plenty of time to accomplish this goal, I'll wait until July or I'll wait until October even. The problem with that is that when we get to the middle of the year or the end of the year and we realize that we haven't yet implemented or achieved one of our annual goals, now we're in a rush to complete that goal. We probably have a lot of other programs and projects on our plate. And so it's very possible that we aren't going to give that goal the attention that it deserves. And it's also likely that we won't be ensuring the same quality of work, given that we're now in a cramming situation, like many of us may have experienced when we were in school, where we didn't study until the night before an exam, or we didn't write the paper until a day or a week before it was due. So to me, dividing the year up into four 90-day periods creates the opportunity to focus on what's most important so that we don't fill our calendar with activities that don't relate to our annual goals and increase the pressure on us to make that progress throughout the year. So the way that the annual goal and the 90-day goal come together is that I often think of each 90-day period as the time that I'm going to focus on making progress on all of my annual goals. So the question I ask every 90 days is, what will I accomplish in the next 90 days in support of this goal that I've set for the year? What progress will I make on this other annual goal. So rather than waiting until the end of the year, I invest effort and focus and attention throughout the year 
on making progress and perhaps even completing those goals earlier than when they're actually due. So the 90-day period that I use is based, again, on creating more focus in each 90-day period around all of the goals that I've set for the year. So I do goal setting every year, usually in October or November for the following year, where I create an elaborate outline of what I want to accomplish in the next 12-month period that begins in two to three months from the point that I'm sitting down to write these goals. I have goals that relate to my customers, to my financial expectations, to my health, to my relationships. I have a number of goal categories that I address in putting together my plan for the next year. And then at the beginning of each 90-day period in that new year, I will think through what will I focus on, what will I accomplish in the next 90 days. And what I find is that I actually do accomplish my goals sooner than expected because of that focus. So 90 days works for me. For you, it might be 60. It might be 120. I like 90, again, because it's enough time to get something important completed or at least started and on its way. And it's short enough that it gives me that that oomph to get it going because I know that I only have 90 days. If you go onto the internet and you look up 90 days, you'll find a plethora of programs that promise to help you survive the next 90 days. You'll find the 90-day health challenge. Make $100,000 in the next 90 days. Your first 90 days on the job. Making an impact in the first 90 days. So you'll find many other organizations and philosophies that revolve around this 90-day period, and yet I would encourage you to find a runway that works for you and then be consistent in your application of it. So for me, every 90 days, without fail, I take a fresh look at what is it that I'm going to accomplish in that next 90 days. One of the other advantages of employing this 90-day perspective is that it leverages an important finding by Robert Fritz, who wrote The Path of Least Resistance and The Path of Least Resistance for Managers at reducing the gap between our current reality and our desired state. So to the extent that we can be brutally honest about where we are today on any given project or goal and where we want to be at some point in the future, just identifying that gap often gets us moving in the direction of accomplishing that goal. So if we know that we only have 90 days to get from where we are today to where we want to be in 90 days, that is the path of least resistance for us, which is to go ahead and do what we said we're going to do or that we are looking to accomplish over that period of time. Now, the key here is to be brutally honest about where we are right now and juxtapose that with where we would like 
to be. So if you think about where you are on your effectiveness at delegation, let's assume that this is an area of opportunity for you where your current reality is that you're holding on to a lot of projects, a lot of work that you don't have to do yourself. In fact, if you let go of those projects, two things would happen. One, you would have more time. And two, you would be developing your staff so that they were better positioned to move up in the organization. Often when we get promoted, we tend to keep doing the things that we are good at and that we enjoy doing. When in fact, we need to take on the new responsibilities of our new job and get out of the way so that our people can learn the things that they don't know how to do yet. We know how to do them. They don't. And so giving them those opportunities to develop their skills is an important outcome. I think one of the most important outcomes of delegation. Of course, we clear our plate of activities that we don't need to do. And yet I view delegation more as a way to build succession in our organization by giving people the opportunity to learn how to do important tasks. So let's assume that that we are not good at delegating. Where we'd like to be, let's say in 90 days, is to let go of one or two key projects that we think we have to be involved in today. And that's why we're identifying this as an opportunity for us to become a better delegator. So if we can be crystal clear about the fact that we're not delegating effectively today and set a goal, maybe our goal on an annual basis is we're going to become a more effective delegator and we are going to reduce the number of projects we're working on by, let's say, 40%. The way I would reduce that into the 90-day runways, four of them over the course of a 12-month year, is in the first 90 days, I might say, I will have delegated these two projects. So we don't have to get all of the year's worth of goal accomplishment satisfied in that first 90 days. It's just taking a look at what is a realistic accomplishment in that three-month period. So by clarifying the gap, defining the gap between where we are today and where we want to be, it now pushes us to accomplish that smaller portion of the bigger annual goal. Now, to help you appreciate this philosophy or approach that Fritz popularized in the path of least resistance. Think about a rubber band. I'd like you to imagine that that you had a rubber band and you stretched it. You you had your left and your right hand on on either side of the rubber band and you were increasing the the tautness of it. You were stretching it and stretching it and stretching it almost to the point where you couldn't stretch it anymore. So I want you to think about your left hand as being where you are today. It's your current reality. I'd like you to think about your right hand as your desired state. So your left hand is, I'm not very good at delegating today. I'm holding on to way too many projects. I'm not developing my team by giving them the opportunity to learn how to do things I already know how to do. Your right hand is... I am an effective delegator. And for the purpose of this next 90 days, it could be I will delegate these two projects to these people. So the more specific you can get 
the more powerful this path of least resistance is going to be. So you've got your left and your right hand. Left hand is current reality. Right hand is desired future state. I'd like to ask you how you might reduce the tension that you feel as you're pulling on this rubber band. There are actually three ways that I can think of that you could reduce that tension. Because the more you are holding this rubber band, the way I've described, the more uncomfortable it's going to get. Uh, eventually, we're going to have to find some release. We're going to have to bring the rubber band back to some equilibrium. So if we take the left hand and bring it closer to the right hand then I think you can see that what we're doing essentially is we are moving in the direction of the goal that we've set where we're moving away from being an ineffective delegator and we're moving toward delegating these two projects to these people by the end of 90 days and that reduces the tension. So the tension is created by the gap, by the fact that we know we want to do something and we're not doing it. So if we can define that, then one of the options and probably the preferred option is to reduce this tension by actually moving in the direction of where we want to be in the future. So that's one way to reduce the tension. Now, let me talk about the second way of reducing the tension. And sometimes this happens. Left hand is current reality. Right hand is desired state. We could also reduce this tension by moving the right hand closer to the left hand. So going back to... Or perhaps a better way of saying it is remaining in the place of I'm not a very effective delegator. So if we choose not to do the hard work of practicing more effective delegation, then we will still reduce the tension even though we will not have successfully accomplished this 90-day goal. Now, this may also happen because over the course of that 90 days, something else happens something else more important emerges that that requires our attention. And so we decide not to spend the time on this goal of becoming a more effective delegator. It may be something we, we defer to the next 90 days. So it's not always that we're lazy or that we decide it's too hard and so we give up. Although sometimes that is why the right hand might move closer to the left hand. So that's the second way of reducing the tension. The third way is if both the left and the right hand move toward the center at the same time, that will reduce the tension. And that will often be indicative of some compromise. So maybe I couldn't get both of those two projects delegated, although I was able to get one of them. So we didn't achieve 100% of the goal, and yet we did make some progress by moving the left hand closer to the goal, even though we moved the right hand also to the middle and accepted the fact that while we made some progress, we didn't make it all the way to the goal of delegating those two projects. And if that happens, we don't want to beat ourselves up because in reality, we have made progress. We have moved that left hand, at least partially, in the direction of our desired state. I think it's more important to focus on progress than perfection. So even if we don't get all the way 
to where we'd like to be in this 90-day period, we can celebrate what we have accomplished and we know that we will be beginning another 90-day period at the end of this 90-day period. And so we then can reset our expectations for what we want to accomplish. Now, if we think back to the difference between the 90-day goals and the 12-month goals, had we waited until the end of the year to try to accomplish this goal of becoming a more effective delegator, we may have run out of time or we may have run into some obstacles just when we are approaching the deadline for accomplishing this goal and there will be insufficient time to accomplish it. So if we are instead looking at beginning our work on all of our goals at the beginning of the year and setting some realistic goals for that first 90 days, if we run into some issues, then it at least gives us three more quarters to work with before the end of the year comes, which is the actual and ultimate deadline. So Let me give you just a few more examples and then I'm going to encourage you to think about your goals that that you either have today for the whole calendar year or fiscal year and think about what that tension is. Think about what that gap between current reality and future state is. One example that you might consider if it's relevant for you is how good we are at adjusting for the communication preferences of others. So most of us realize that we have different communication preferences. We have different styles. And when we know what our style is and we know what the other styles are, if we determine that someone else that we communicate with a lot has a different style, the question is, how good are we at making some accommodation that honors the other person's style so that we can have a more masterful communication. So being honest about how we are today about adjusting for someone else's communication preferences and then identifying where we'd like to be is another way of thinking about this 90-day runway. So one goal that we might set in our 90-day runway is to start the process of making those adjustments. It might be having a conversation about our different styles with this other person just so that we can get it out on the table. Gee, I, I know that you and I have both taken some communication preference inventories I know my style. I'd be curious what your style is. It would be great if we could understand how our styles might be getting in the way of our communications. So that might be the thing that we start with. And then in the next 90 days, maybe there are some specific steps that we're willing to take that we can practice so that by the end of that 90-day period, we are getting better at it. So again, this concept of the 90-day runway just gives us that protection, if you will, from getting to the end of the year and not having accomplished our goal or running out of time to accomplish it. Another example, how good are we at balancing our expenditure of energy on our work with regular periods of rest and rejuvenation? So this is a goal that we might set with regard to our balance between work and play. And to what extent are we ensuring our 
our sustainability, our vitality, so that we can go on and continue to contribute at a, at a high level. So again, making that upfront assessment of where we are today with regard to our ability to balance and where we'd like to be, given what we desire, we can begin to establish some interim, that's another way of thinking about these 90-day goals, interim goals, rather than just having a single annual goal, we've got these four 90-day periods that will allow us to work at all of the things that we say we want to accomplish this year. Let me give you one final example. I'm sure you'll be able to come up with with many of your own. How good are we at embracing failure as an essential step in the learning process? A lot of us are not very good at accepting failure. Often we personalize it. We think we're the failure as opposed to the process not working effectively or the steps that that we took not being the right steps. That doesn't make us a failure. It just means that there was an opportunity for us to learn that the way we did it didn't work. So how are we going to do it differently? So a goal might be to get better at embracing failure. Now, you'll have lots and lots of other goals. You'll have financial goals. You'll have customer attainment goals. You'll have product and program goals. So you can take any goal that's an annual goal and then walk it back to the present and say, what portion of this goal am I going to set out to accomplish in the next 90 days? So I hope you will think about adopting this framework, whether it's 90 days or some other period of time. As I said, for you, it might be more, might be less. I like 90 days because it's long enough to get something done and it's short enough that it defeats the procrastination that often gets in our way of successfully accomplishing our goals for the year. If you'd like to learn more about planning and goal setting and being a fit leader, I invite you to visit fitleadersacademy.com. Fitleadersacademy.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.